Welcome to Have You Seen This, the podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten cinema. All discussions will be spoiler-heavy. You have been warned. Have you seen this? I'm Jennifer Albright. And I'm Tim Heiderich. And we have a guest this week who's here to talk to us about a cat video from the internet. <laughs> no shortage of those. Yeah. So it's uh, not well trodden ground at all. No, actually, we're talking about something really kind of weird and unique here. But um, our guest is Matt Hurwitz. Matt, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I uh, am a cartoonist and writer. Um, I, I'm not responsible for Lasagna Cat in any way, unfortunately, but I'm a big fan, like you guys, and you asked me to talk about it, so I'm happy to do that. Lasagna Cat, let's see, it started 10 years ago as a series of YouTube videos, and yeah, they're cat videos on YouTube, but these ones were live-action reenactments of Garfield strips, which would be kind of funny in itself, except that they also include kind of music videos uh, that follow the reenactments that elaborate on some elements of what the strip is. Um, and sometimes it's sometimes the connection is a little tenuous, like a strip where John combs his hair and is disgusted that Garfield's <laughs> hair is in his comb, and then the video launches into a kind of goth uh, music video version of Nine Inch Nails' Head Like a Hole. Um, other times, it's a little more direct, the connection, like um, a strip where Garfield hits John on the back of a head uh, of his head, and then suddenly we cut to a music video of like baseball cards and um, the song Hit Me With Your Best Shot. And... I was listening to an interview with the guys who made these videos that Jen sent to me, and they were talking about how the nature of these videos was created sort of with the internet YouTube audience in mind, because if you watched any one of these clips by itself, you might smirk like, oh, that's kind of amusing. Um, if you saw it on TV, like, you know, as some like short segment on Adult Swim, it'd be like, oh, you know, that's kind of clever. Yeah, they're reenacting a Garfield strip and Garfield strips tend to be really mundane and, and that's clever and all but what makes it work is that uh, these guys made a bunch of these These they made about two dozen I want to say maybe close to three dozen of them and uh, you know ten years ago I mean it was kind of in the vein of maybe Tim and Eric's awesome show in terms of that uh, deadpan absurdist humor but they were still a little bit ahead of their time in doing this and then, um, oh, the production company, by the way, Fatal Farm is their name. Um, they also did a clip that went a little bit viral where they re recreated a scene from RoboCop where RoboCop shoots a rapist's dick and balls off. I remember and that from the movie, yeah. They, el <laughs> <laughs> they elaborated on it by having like a whole army of rapists continue to charge out and RoboCop is just shooting dicks and balls left and right and they're exploding all over the place. Yeah. As part of a... It's part of a feature-length uh, RoboCop tribute called our RoboCop remake, which is also really great. But yeah, these guys um, then kind of did pro stuff like for Key and Peele, Adult Swim, uh, MTV Music Awards, stuff like that. And then sort of out of nowhere, uh, just three months ago, I want to say, they brought Lasagna Cat back and they really put all the things that they had learned about uh, video production and After Effects uh, into use. And the, there's not as many new Lasagna Cat clips uh, in this batch as there were originally, but they're much higher production value, they're much more elaborate. And again, the thing of it that's so funny is not so much the idea of recreating Garfield strips in live action with a bad Garfield costume and a guy in a wig to look like John from the strip. But it, it kind of takes the, on a life of its own, yeah. <laughs> they did so many and they put so much thought into them. And I was trying to remember um, when the first time I saw Lasagna Cat was, if I saw it the first time 10 years ago or not, because 
once you've seen a bunch of these clips, it almost feels like you can't remember life before you saw them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I remember um, showing a couple to Tim, like, back in the day. And I was like, oh, I'll show him the Nine Inch Nails one because, like, he likes Nine Inch Nails. And he's just kind of like, okay. Yeah, which I think is probably a normal reaction to a lot of what, um, what is on the internet, which is like, oh, someone put some time into this and um yeah all right yeah someone made a dumb garfield video that's nice it's like oh well, yeah i think it's really funny you know but then um again like no shortage of dumb cat videos on the internet yeah but then like 10 years later i think which one did i show you did i show you the nine inch nails one again <laughs> well you showed me it because you're you mentioned the cat brush thing and i'm just like i don't know what you're talking about yeah because it left zero impression on me but then you're like oh they made this like four hour one and that that I think is really you know worth talking about not not just the video itself but just the the size of the you know the body of work that that's grown around just you know dumb cat videos. Yeah, and um, it it's really it really has gone in kind of an unexpected direction from you know just kind of being these short gag like one off clips because they have a definite uh you know kind of template that they follow um you know the the initial ones were just kind of like okay like here's a date that the strip appeared on here's a reenactment of the strip and these kind of like tatty costumes against like a flat background yeah like here's uh, like a little break for canned laughter because they always have the same insipid laugh track Kind of in the same way that like Red Letter Media has that same um, uh, like incidental music. Yeah, exactly. So you know, cut for insipid laugh. You know, then show the original strip, and then you then they go into the music video tribute, and that's still kind of the format that they kept with the new clips. But they've suddenly gotten like incredibly elaborate. Like um, uh, Matt, what's one of your favorites of the new ones? Well, one of the real standouts of the new ones is they do, it starts with the date, as you say, and then uh, the reenactment is um, John is holding a, a, a empty picture frame in front of Odie. And just like they have a actor in a bad Garfield costume, they also have a bad Odie costume. Um, Garfield walks up sees Odie in the frame, screams, and the punchline is he says, oh, thanks heavens, I thought that was a mirror. And... Yeah, cue the rim shot, cue the canned laughter. Um, and Oh, and then they always uh, show you the original strip that they just reenacted as yeah. well. And then that fades out, and then it launches into a really accurate looking recreation of the in the air in the air tonight sequence from the pilot of miami vice where crockett and tubbs are driving around at night to the tune of the uh phil collins song i can feel it coming in the air tonight (laughs) oh lord yeah and and it's shot for shot because i i went back and watched the original scene to verify (laughs) <laughs> right, and and then instead of whatever the dialogue in the original Miami Vice episode is, Garfield goes to a payphone, calls John, <laughs> and he's like, "Tell me the truth, John. When I looked through that picture frame, it was it wasn't a mirror, was it?" And, <laughs> Suddenly and, imbues uh, it with a much deeper meaning. Yeah, because the original yeah. dialogue is um, it's like uh, Don Johnson's character. I can't tell those guys apart. Don Johnson's character calling home to his wife and asking her some like really intense question and in the in the lasagna cat it's just like you saying that's not an intense question it wasn't a mirror was it (laughs) (laughs) and um the fatal farm guys (laughs) uh are really good at what they do so they really make it look like the episode and if you ever see their uh their robocop clip it also looks like it came straight out of the real movie so they yeah, really know I what they're doing watched that today and i was kind of blown away because it looked like it was literally right out of the movie and apparently um they they talked about it in that um that interview they mentioned earlier like they kind of showed up like all the other people who contributed <laughs> to that fan film yeah they they did unfortunately kind of like Jen says, show, show everyone else up, which is a shame because everyone, you know, was just kind of like, oh, you know, we'll just kind of do it as a laugh. 
and you know just kind of not too much put too much effort into it and then these you know two guys come along and then blow everyone else away well our our robocop remake is probably worthy of a have you seen this episode in in itself i'm a i'm a big fan and some of the segments are impressive but yeah fatal farm definitely did one of the top (laughs) five segments in that in that film uh, if anybody's curious, that was uh, an interview on the podcast The Nerdy Show. It can be found at nerdyshow.com. Yeah. I think that's maybe like one of one or two interviews that they've done anywhere. So it's worth checking out to yeah, get because, a um Yeah, because for the longest time, I didn't actually know like what the fuck Fatal Farm was, you know, because they put their... Um, you know, they put their outro like very prominently on each lasagna cat. They did it with the old lasagna cats, you know, where it's like the lasagna cat logo sinking into the pan of lasagna and then Fatal Farm comes up. And I was like, what the fuck is Fatal Farm? Are they like some kind of like collective or like, I assume that they were an effects house and I guess like in a way they kind of are, but you know, they're also like guys who do comedy videos, but the thing that I find the most interesting is that, um, and I didn't realize, but it makes sense, and they talk about this in the interview, is that they spent literal, like, years, like, shooting uh, the footage to make up these lasagna cats, like, the new ones, like, and they would shoot all this material and then, you know, get it locked, and it would just sit on a hard drive for several years until they could complete it, which is why it took so long for these to kind of make their way um, to release, but right. Then, then the nice thing is it kind of reaches a critical mass to the point where it's just like it isn't just a person who does one funny video, but then it's just like oh, there's a whole ton of them. Yeah, because <laughs> I remember thinking like and frequently thinking like mm-hmm. you know I I wonder why those guys never made any more lasagna cat <laughs> like did they just get sick of it or you know whatever and then it was like holy shit lasagna cat's coming back and I was like what. Mm-hmm. Well, this this cat's got nine lives. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, that Matt... got a quip worthy of Jim Davis. Yeah. Oh, God. Before we dive in further, um, were either of you guys huge Garfield fans like I was when you were like seven Oh, or eight? yeah. Because everyone I fucking, was. Garfield was my shit when I was like that age. Yeah. I remember those like short oblong books of, I had, you know, just like, like the three panel strips. Yeah. yeah. Like they're, mm-hmm. and they're always just, you know, some comment on Garfield getting fatter, basically. Basically. Yeah. Like, Garfield yeah. sits around the house. <laughs> Gar- those, those Garfield. Rectangular, those rectangular books are, uh, are were ubiquitous. And I don't know if kids still read Garfield like they used to, but, I mean, he's still around. There's even, like, uh, uh, I think Kaboom or uh, Boom Comics puts out a, a monthly Garfield book, and they have been for a while now. So somebody's still reading them. Yeah. He's fucking perennial. And there's still man. Garfield cartoons, and, and the CBS uh, Saturday morning cartoon with Lorenzo Music doing the voice was yes. a, st- a staple. Yeah, yes. I loved Garfield growing up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I loved uh, I loved Garfield. I loved like the TV specials. I loved uh, Garfield, His Nine Lives, the extremely fucked up graphic novel. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. remember that one. Oh my god, it was like... <laughs> it was like Garfield meets uh, Heavy Metal or 2000 AD. <laughs> it really was because there fantastic. were... There were a couple of lighthearted funny stories which were in keeping with like, oh, it's Garfield, it's like, you know, it's like humor for kids. And then there were a couple stories which were just f- fucked up. Like there was one where, um, you know, because the... The premise well, like was he like he punches a dog, like that kind of fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, unfortunately, Garfield always made light of domestic abuse. Yeah, but um, <laughs> and overeating. That's true. Oh yeah, which morbid obesity is not. Is and no depression. Matter. He hated Mondays. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, but like, um, there was one where uh, Garfield was like a, an escaped lab cat. Yeah, and there's a, there's one where he's in the future, and it was actually like an ambitious. It really was a graphic novel. I mean, in, it was published in the early '80s too, so this yes. is like you know pre-graphic novel, this and that. Before um, anybody but, even said graphic novel. <laughs> right, but yeah, they they and it was worked on by like several different artists. It wasn't just the Jim Davis house style. It's like let's do an anthology book with uh you know different art styles and. It'll be kind of PG thirteen, like some of the stories. Yeah, yeah there one was some good ass art in there too. Uh huh. Yeah, there really was. Yeah, Garfield has nine lives. Unfortunately, it's not um, hard to get either. I think you can probably pick it up on Amazon for ten bucks or something. Oh. Yeah, like um, 
It's still, it's, it might even still be at your local library. But I think um, the lesson to draw from that is that Garfield is an incredibly malleable subject. It's a cultural touchstone, really. Yeah, which I think kind of brings us back around to Lasagna Cat, which is why um, the Fatal Farm guys have managed to like get so much mileage out of this. Um, yeah, it's something and... that like is you know ubiquitous and kind of benign. Like hell, watching uh, Troll Two and the girls got a, a T-shirt with you know Garfield on that, and you and suddenly you recall, you're like, oh yeah, Garfield merchandise yep. was everywhere she... for a time. Jo Joshua's sister is an Aries. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and she's a great dancer too. Um, and the Ooh, interesting thing is boys. that <laughs> she's not a good actress, but what are you gonna do? she tried. Yeah. But and, you know that uh, that his nine lives book was i always thought it was interesting because it was kind of proof that at that point like a few years into garfield's run and popularity um i think jim davis and his creative team kind of recognized that they they had this ubiquitous cultural icon and they wanted to play around with it a little bit yeah. and every once in a while garfield there is some like artistically experimental Garfield thing like there's that infamous little run of uh, strips in October of the late 80s where it's like this Lynchian dream sequence where Garfield these, yeah. thinks he's dead and he, he's in the house and it's all nobody's it's, in the house it's all shuttered up and there's like very noirish hard black and white lighting and, and stuff. And there's literally literally the omniscient narrator caption at one point is you have no idea how alone you are Garfield yeah, so every once in a while, like, Garfield is artistically ambitious, and, um, you know, kind of the, I don't think it was done before the first run of Lasagna Cat, but Garfield without Garfield, where yeah. somebody photoshopped uh, Garfield out of the strips and just became about John losing his mind. Yeah, yeah. It, it suddenly becomes a, this kind of lunatic character without Garfield there, and you're just like wondering what's what's going on with this guy. And then some of them have like incredible pathos to them and yeah. sadness. Yeah, like they're just an empty frame after like this sort of unanswered question. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a man talking to himself, basically. Yeah, so Lasagna Cat does in that way kind of follow this, well, I guess lineage then of, of sort of remixing uh comic strips because there's just there's that there's Garfield without Garfield there's also I don't know if you know another um, blog that was Marmaduke explained oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. that's that same kind of idea where they're just sort of riffing on this uh, sort of uh, evergreen content there's also Farmaduke which I think is Marmaduke with uh, the captions replaced with like lines from Arrowhead where it's just do. like people's trip <laughs> reports and shit well, I never saw that and there was another one, um, somebody was putting like uh, like Nietzsche quotes or something on like Family Circus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, a, it's yeah, again, a touchstone unto itself. Actually, one of my favorites, which was accidental, and this was before the internet and before these kind of like, you know, culture jamming examples, was when um, it was in Gary Larson's Prehistory of the Far Side when he talked about a couple of times when um, the newspaper or a newspaper would accidentally swap the captions oh yeah on a couple of strips so like dennis the menace was like next to the far side and somebody like fucked up and and like swapped the captions so one of them was it was dennis the menace like sitting at the dinner table talking to his parents and the other panel was um like two cavemen and one was like giving like crystal ball reading to the other caveman and so the <laughs> the caption on um uh, that was supposed to go on Dennis the Menace that got put in the caveman one said, if I get as big as dad, won't my skin be too tight? <laughs> Which is just kind of nonsensical, but then the one that ended up getting put on Dennis the Menace, it made it look like Dennis was saying to his parents, I see your little petrified skull labeled and sitting on a shelf somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's which, no, that Dennis. Which is a pretty uh, rad thing to say to your parents. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's something Jay North would say uh, after the show had ended. Yeah, but like in his in his uh, dark period. To to the bartender. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and you know the funny thing about that um, Garfield culture jamming with uh, Garfield without Garfield is that um, the if Garfield, uh, you know, the the corporate entity that is Garfield. I mean, Paws Incorporated actually published an official Garfield without Garfield book. 
Hmm. So, yeah, it's like they that they are open-minded to that kind of stuff, and they their only interaction with Lasagna Cat was they had to put out a, a um, cease and desist for one of their videos in this recent return revival batch because they included the address of Paws Incorporated <laughs> as a joke. Yeah. <laughs> but they were like, all right, guys, we have to draw the line somewhere because your crazy fans are going to send us mail. But that sort of evinced that they know about Lasagna Cat. Maybe they're not crazy about it, but they can take a joke to some degree. They have some sense of yeah, humor. That, that's that's yeah, a more practical and, consideration than like a sort of censorship matter. Yeah, and considering that, um, you know, there is one, uh, like there's one Lasagna Cat, which is like set to like a 50 cent song. And it's just like it's like Garfield partying with these like mice, mm-hmm. and then like yeah. um, there is the one. Uh, it's set to that that Fergie song, and like John is in an insane asylum, and he's like smearing <laughs> shit on the walls and in his mouth, and it's like, well, hey, like you know, they didn't put a C and D for that, so you know, they actually can't <laughs> yeah. take a joke. <laughs> but I th- I think those those two are probably among the most graphic or explicit ones i think the the only other really graphic or explicit one that comes to mind is um a pseudo bukake video oh where my the, god the, one, yeah. the that one is, is genuinely unsettling right because it's not real bukake of course but it's, <laughs> it's just shampoo. The, the strip the strip is about john's shampoo getting swapped out with like pasta sauce or something but then when it gets to the music video segment it's like this funky sexy prince song and it's a fake bukake video where a bunch of japanese guys are dumping shampoo on john and, and he's you know speaking it, breathily in japanese and right it's really and it's like oh disturbing. yeah yeah it is it, it, it's very cleverly disturbing um of course i you know i, I guess i'm leaving out the uh the one really the furthest they ever went is also in the furthest they've ever went as a joke um what i mean is um well when they when they returned when they brought back lasagna cat they had all these videos done and there wasn't very much leeway time between when they announced it was coming back and when they dumped all the dozen new videos online but they put out a video saying hey lasagna cat's coming back but in order for it to come back we need you to call this 1-800 number <laughs> and leave a message uh, listing your name and how many sexual partners you've had. And sure and, enough, people called. Yeah, and they got like over a thousand uh, replies. They only wanted a thousand, but that became a video. Their longest video, it's four hours and 40 minutes long, and everything but the last like 20 minutes is just this extended video where John Garfield and Odie answer the phone it's kind of a knock knock who's there thing and they open the door and it's just like different mannequins and the mannequins are speaking the recorded messages saying like Denise uh you know 12 and just go it goes through a thousand respondents of like knock knock who's there how many sex partners have you had but then at the very end it turns into this lynchian um like abstract dream sequence kind of kind of short like holy film. mountain kind yeah, of symbolism. yeah they said the fatal farm guys said in the interview that it was kind of their tribute to to holy mountain yeah. in part and it's an interesting experience as well because just the 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 grinding i guess you have to do to get to the ending i mean yeah you could just skip to the end but well yeah and this is why um i really wanted to talk about the sex survey video because i i don't know why <laughs> this is extremely my shit but it is i've literally watched the entire thing yeah <laughs> I, I have I got literally like three quarters of the way through, it. but I couldn't. I, I had to turn it off. I watched. I watched a lot of it, but I, I don't. I know I didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I watched. I watched the entire thing, and I actually watched more of it yesterday to kind of refresh my memory. You know, I watched like a good chunk of the, um, you know, the, uh, the knock knock, who's there, and then obviously I watched like the end sequence. You know, because that's the, the real. Oh yeah, the the, real the very graphic line. thing that I'm alluding to is like the the last few shots of their weird art holy mountain film uh involves a, a miscarriage in a public bathroom so 
that's the most graphic thing they ever put out and associated with Garfield's name. And, you know, Paws Incorporated, I guess, was okay with that, but not with giving out their address. Yeah, and it's that's funny because, like, if you watched, um, and I really, I really can't emphasize enough how much I love the sex survey's achievement, like, as an art film. Like, that sounds pretentious as fuck, but I really, no, I... really fucking love it. I love the concept. Well, that's why I wanted to talk about it, yeah. Yeah, I love the, um, I love the repetitiveness, like, the way that it, it isn't, it isn't just, like, a kind of insipid joke that doesn't make sense, but it's an insipid joke that doesn't make sense, which is repeated again and again and again and again in exactly well, the, the same way. That's the thing is that it then kind of becomes uh, performance art in just by the sheer volume of it. Like if you did it once or twice, you'd be like, yeah, okay, that's a waste of my time. But then that it keeps going on like to this absurd level is really what makes it notable. Yeah, it, and I think that you mentioned you briefly touched on earlier, Tim, like the the technical achievement mm -hmm. of this video, like putting together not only putting together like a thousand like sex survey responses, but apparently like they used a motion controlled camera to shoot like the live action segments. Um, there was some kind of elaborate like production thing where they had to put everything into an Excel spreadsheet and that somehow like tied into like the segments that they were cutting right, together. Right, the video is essentially one long unbroken shot where after each mannequin answers the door and says the number of sex partners they've had it freeze frames into a comic strip panel which the camera pulls out from to see that it's being read in the newspaper by John Garfield or Odie who then hears the doorbell ring and answers it, and it just—it's just this, inf you know, uh, loop for four hours of that unbroken. So it's, yeah, technically very impressive. Yeah. Yeah, and then the the time proceeds in the clock, and the day wears on as they're answering yeah. the door because <laughs> the it starts like sunsets. early in the day. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The sun sets, and by the time they wrap it up, like it's and John answers the door to himself, it's fucking nighttime. Yeah, which is when it just starts to go off the rails where it it's no longer like this colorful cartoon cat and like, you know, this giant fursuit. It's, you know, just like it it becomes this kind of mangy, disgusting real life version. Where you kind of, or at least for me, I'm kind of taken aback where I'm thinking, oh, this is like the fantasy world that John has retreated into. <laughs> meanwhile, like his whole life is, you know, passed him by and it suddenly becomes, again, like the, this really tragic uh, scene that, that we're getting from a fucking Garfield comic. Yeah, because like John, um, you know, he answers the door to himself and he says his response to the sex survey question is, John Arbuckle, too. And then the John who's answered the door, who answers the door, laughs and says, John Arbuckle, zero. Yeah. And all of a sudden, John is an old man standing on the porch, and he looks in the window and sees a real cat, a real orange cat, which just kind of stares at him contemptuously and then walks away. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like if you're in John's shoes, you want to be like, how long have I been deluding myself <laughs> like as this loser with like a cat that hates me and a stupid dog? Yeah, and then he goes on this kind of like strange vision quest in because, the desert. Because John is kind of a loser in the comic strip. Well, yeah, like so, it is kind of implied that he's an incel dork. Yeah, so you just take that to you know, kind of a, a real world version and suddenly it becomes really pathetic. <laughs> yeah, and then... Um, so yeah, then it goes to the desert... And yeah. then, it, then it goes all Holy Mountain on us. Yeah. And then John transcends his physical body or turns into a pile of earthworms. Yeah, and because he's confronted by this like this nude man in body paint, painted up again, like orange, orange and black. So <laughs> he's he's got Garfield as a spirit animal, I suppose. Oh, and we should point out that on the soundtrack is uh, clips of a Jim Davis interview. Just kind of speaking in the most but, you know, it's, insipid it's it all banalities around, yeah. about creating... You know, to me, like, you know, Garfield's relatable to everyone. He's not a male or female or, you know, he's just... Everyone responds to Garfield. And, you know, the strip is about, like, eating and sleeping. And everybody relates to that. <laughs> Meanwhile, the, this, like, slow 
parade of horror is playing out on the screen. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was really interested to hear the guys in the interview that you linked me to, Jen, because I was very curious if they <coughs> like, liked Garfield or hated Garfield or like <laughs> liked Jim Davis or hated Jim Davis and I think they're almost coming at it from the same point that everybody comes at it which is like we all know that Garfield just endlessly recycles the same jokes but at the same time like it's a good comic strip for kids it's yeah. not it's not completely devoid of humor like a lot of you know like Marmaduke or something <laughs> like there is well you just haven't is, had Marmaduke explain there is some level of professionalism um and yeah, so they're not. I guess they were less vindictive about Garf, and they they almost seem to do it on a whim. Like you know, pick the literally they found the Garfield costume at some random thrift store, and that was the genesis of the thing. So they didn't like set. They didn't make it their mission to take down Garfield, <laughs> and that's um that kind of leads to another like their other epic length video that they did for this revival which is an hour long which you know next to their 4 hour video doesn't sound that impressive but it's it is impressive <laughs> because they uh they basically hired an actor one of the Barrymores uh, John Barrymore fact, like, the 3rd Yeah like Drew That's one legit. of the, from the Lionel Barrymore Drew Barrymore Barrymore di uh, acting dynasty and um he just speaks a monologue for an hour about this one Garfield strip and how he kind of discovered the meaning of life within it and it's very funny and it's it's sort of more accessible than watching four hours of knock knock jokes but it's i watched the whole thing uh, earlier today and i was actually found myself kind of oddly touched by it and moved by it because <laughs> there is there is something sort of zen about the idea of a guy um finding the meaning of life in an incredibly simplistic one simple newspaper comic strip just one installment yeah because and, the guy is very excited in like a kind of college professor way about like the insights offered by as he calls it the pipe strip yeah right and he just endlessly dissects it for like three it's three panels long and he dissects each panel and has this whole theory about it and it's in a way it's almost like fatal farm commenting on themselves and the whole lasagna cat project and the whole thing of like what are we doing obsessing this much about Garfield? <laughs> just this ubiquitous comic strip that we all know and nobody thinks about if you're older than the age of like you know seven <laughs> and why like is there really this much meaning in garfield like can we extrapolate this much meaning from it and uh, like yeah well, that was the thing that i liked about it, is that you know like the, the content of that yeah, that video does tend to reflect the work itself because in a weird way, they're, um, like you say, they're kind of examining their own work with that video, but also considering just the amount of videos that they made and just their diversity, in a way, kind of the audience for Lasagna Cat becomes that character. And it, it kind of, it's it sort of sets up this, this pattern where like each individual part of it um, you know, reflects like the larger work where it isn't just that it's this guy watching this, um, this guy who is obsessing over this one comic strip. It then becomes us watching this video of, you know, a group of videos, some of which link to other accounts that have other behind the scenes videos and on and on and on that it just, you know, it's, you know, it's like you're peeling an onion and, and there's, there's so many more layers to it that the audience can then themselves be wrapped up in this thing that really, you know, since it's all based on Garfield, like there, there's nothing really at the core of it. It's, it's more about the experience itself. Maybe it, it, I'm, yeah. I'm having a hard, well, hard time articulating But then it. you can kind of, as this guy is doing in the video, you can kind of project your own meaning onto it because it is a blank slate. Yeah. And, and it, I want to say that this reminds me then of other sort of impenetrable epic artwork like um, like Jen, you're a, a Lou Reed fan, so if there's anyone who's ever bothered listening to metal machine music, like that's an <laughs> impenetrable piece of work that I don't think anyone has ever intended to sit through. Only Lester Bangs. Though I have sat through it once. Um, or other things like, you know, Andy Warhol's, you know, like the Empire State Building video, or um, there's another one that was, you know, the film Psycho slowed down to 20 
24 hours in length where it's like who's gonna sit through this stuff it was better than Gus Van Sant's version I bet yeah but it, but it's one of those things that then the, the experience itself sort of eclipses the the original work where where you start to add like Jen says an additional layer of meaning onto it like you can project meaning onto it just by the, the sort of I want to say vastness of the work itself yeah. also the and analysis video is great if you're baked yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it's also, you know, people throw around comparisons to Andy Kaufman a lot, mm -hmm. but um, there's kind of like two levels to Andy Kaufman type humor. The first level is you can't believe that one simple joke is being stretched out for so long mm -hmm. and so repeatedly, and that's reflected in the um, in the phone survey uh, video a bit more but then the other the other side of Andy Kaufman style humor is I think finding meaning in the the baseness and the predictability not not not, not that find finding meaning in the meaningless it's and that's a bit more of the uh, the one hour analysis of the pipe strip video because it gets to a point where you start to believe in it and like I yeah, I believe that this guy really, his life was changed by the pipe strip, and maybe the things he's saying about the pipe strip are, are starting to make sense, and that, that's a bit like if and, when Andy Kaufman read the entirety of The Great Gatsby uh, to an audience one night. It's like it's hilarious that he committed to it for so long and wasted everyone's time, and he's reading The Great Gatsby. Yeah. <laughs> like this this great American novel, so it, it works uh, in both ways. Yeah, you really just ha kind of have to take a step back and marvel at the uh, the effort that's gone into it or the work that's gone into it, and and that that then becomes like you know kind of performance art in a way. I I want to say. Yeah, and that was really this really what um what gets me with the sex survey is again like the the sheer effort of producing it of like you know, taking five hours worth of responses and like, even within sort of an automated process, like, you know, using a motion controlled camera and like having their system for, you know, dropping in the audio clips, like it still boggles the mind. I was like, somebody took the <laughs> effort to make this. Yeah. And in that way, the, the effort kind of eclipses the the content of the video and that in the same way that I want to say the video eclipses what you know the initial Garfield strip because you forget that it's this whole thing that's kind of wrapped around nothing but it, again like you know they've they've they've, they've spun straw into gold <laughs> <laughs> and then like on top of it so like they draw the joke for like a little under five hours and then just end with some of the most disturbing images that I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I mean, again, because the, you know, the whole thing, like, ends with, uh, you know, a high school girl, like, giving birth in a restroom stall. And then um, kind of, like, there is dialogue, but it's in Polish. Yeah. And it's to the effect of, like, I am in hell. <laughs> okay, well, well, that's, I mean, and how else could you explain purgatory than three panels of fighting with your cat? week in and week out <laughs> I like it yeah but then um, and I love that shot where um, it's just like a an overhead shot like into the toilet bowl mm -hmm. and there's this fucking like fetus in the toilet bowl and then the cat yeah well sitting you know, it, just hanging out thematically the consistent seat. like holy shit that's and disturbing it, re it reminded me a lot of uh, David Lynch's Inland Empire which coincidentally has Polish characters and dialogue in it, but which is also four out cl close to four hours long. I want to say maybe three and a half hours long. Yeah. And I saw that movie three times in the theater, and I, I could only do once. It was because <laughs> I was just, it, I was astonished that at the audacity of making a three and a half hour, mostly plotless, completely abstract movie and I got off a little on kind of the discomfort of the people around me every time <laughs> that I went to one of those screenings which I imagine is something that you'd encounter if you went to a live screening of you know the the, sec the phone survey Garfield video but that's one of the things that the Fatal Farm guys talked about in that interview is that like the, 
they've screened lasagna cat in public and it doesn't work it doesn't work for a live audience like the ideal viewing situation is uh binge watching a bunch of these on youtube at home in front of your laptop i want to then say that that again to sort of project meaning onto this is reflective of kind of how the internet is used and that there's a lot of time and effort wasted on it because i mean you wouldn't you wouldn't choose to sit down and watch a four-hour movie but the amount of time that's been wasted on the internet and effort just to produce dross, I guess, or, or just garbage. Is... Yeah, just the amount of time I've spent on Twitter alone. Yeah, on Twitter, or just the like, uh, or just sort of the the endless deluge of like playthroughs and reaction videos and <laughs> things like that. Like, there's so much garbage on YouTube. Like, these are all people who individually are wasting a small amount of their life. You know, like making a podcast that no one listens to, something like that. Um, but, we have over a hundred subscribers on SoundCloud. Oh, I wouldn't say it's over us. Over a hundred. I'm, I'm talking about people who do YouTube videos that have zero views, things like that. My point is, like, regarding performance art, it, it only then gains recognition if you're doing like what Andy Coffin does, where you just kind of go all in on the performance to the point where it, it reaches a level of absurdity. Like most people would be like, okay, you know, I can waste, you know, five minutes on my phone. I can waste, you know, a half hour, you know, doing this. I can waste three hours binge watching. But then to say, okay, I'm going to sit down and watch four hours of knock-knock jokes, then it becomes really absurd. And so, I mean, at least me watching it as a viewer kind of makes me aware of the time that I'm spending and the time that other people are spending creating content for YouTube and wherever. And um, with with the with the normal lasagna cat videos, the ones that are just a few minutes long, which is all of them except for the uh, hour long pipe dissertation and the phone survey four hour epic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know necessarily that if you saw any of those clips individually that you would even pick up that it was supposed to be sarcastic or mocking Jim Davis or mocking Garfield because the reenactments are kind of straight and the music video tributes that follow are also kind of straight but it's by watching a few of them in in a row that the joke starts to reveal itself yeah well and then um but then a lot of the music videos are like they're these strange like conceptual pieces like there's one there's the one strip where John is really excited about watching toast pop up out of the toaster <laughs> and his reaction Love that is one. yeehaw and then they <laughs> the musical tribute is like an Alan Jackson song and yeah, the video is yeah and the video is just like a bunch of like just unbelievably tacky like Americana Right, monster trucks and stuff, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, American flags and, you know, just kind of, like, spread across the screen screen in this kind of, like, um, you know, strange way. And so it's not even, like, it's like, is this a commentary on Garfield or or America? It could just be, like, a pastiche. I mean, it kind of reminds me of... Pastiche is a good word. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like, a lot of the... Uh, celebration of roadside Americana that I remember seeing a lot of videos of like talking heads or even oh, like, yeah. like Devo kind of celebrated that that sort of garbage culture of like the late 70s and 80s the uniquely American tackiness yeah just tacky yeah tacky garbage culture Yeehaw! yeah so this, <laughs> this could be more of the same oh so I found um, a loose translation of the um, the Polish words spoken by the young woman who gives birth at the end of the sex survey oh good so this is what she says in Polish I've been this dying is, to know this is the end of a funny cat video by the way she says this child is not mine this child is from the darkness I bore humanity's curse I can ask for mercy which I will not receive my soul will be consumed, vomited up, and consumed again, forever. A sick joke, but no one is laughing. My blood will remain. Death is not the end. I am in hell. <laughs> Death is but a door, time is but a window. Now, I have to point out that um, because the, the tail end of the sex survey video has um, you know Jim Davis kind of giving his uh, creative process and insight into creating Garfield as a character as this teenage girl is screaming, giving birth mm-hmm. in a restroom cell. And one of the things that Tim pointed out to me, that there's a brief flash 
and that overhead shot looking into the toilet where the fetus actually opens its eyes. Yeah, the very last shot. It's it's like three frames. <laughs> it, it is just long enough. It's so expertly done. I mean, obviously this is their stock and trade. But uh, yeah, it's it's just long enough for you to see it and be like, did I just see that? <laughs> Did you notice in the phone sex survey that uh, Max Landis was oh, one of the? Christ. Oh yeah, our favorite person. <laughs> there was yeah. there was a celebrity guest appearance in the phone sex survey. And of course, like he fuck, he's when he names his number of sex partner, he's like, oh, eighty seven or whatever. It's like, yeah, okay, dude. Oh wow, I can't believe he roofied eighty seven women. <laughs> Actually, what am I saying? I can totally believe that. <laughs> Matt, have you ever had any run-ins with Max Landis? Because we have. Yeah, we've we have a friend who's unfortunate enough that Max Landis keeps reappearing in his life like a bad penny. <laughs> oh no! Where did you meet him? Uh, when, let's see. He was drunk at Comic Con a couple years ago. Okay, so a few years ago at Comic Con, this would have been like what 2010 or something. Oh god, I a don't long even ass time think. ago at Comic Con. So we were hanging out. We were across the way from the convention center in front of one of the hotels. And we, like, Tim and I were talking to our friend, Chris, mm -hmm. who works in the industry. And we were in the middle of a discussion about the Cine family. Right. Uh -huh. Which... Those guffawing hipsters at Cine family. Yeah, because the thing is, Cine family is fucking great because they do great screenings. But, you know, you get, like, the kind of people who go to screenings. Yeah, it's like, don't judge an artist by their fans. That yeah, kind of thing. so we were, we were kind of having a laugh about Cine family patrons. And then, next thing we know, this person has like yeah, some drunken asshole with with like two, wants to pick a fight yeah with like two bitches on his arm or whatever like suddenly horns in our conversations like you talking shit about cine family cine yeah. family's fucking great and we're like no, we're just having a conversation it's like who dude. is this guy and then he finally like belligerently stomped off and chris turns to us like that was max landis <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then this ended up being another fight on Reddit and just like other occasions too, where it's just like, I don't know, just like born under a bad sign or something that he's cursed by having Max Landis continue to reenter his life. As yeah. he will now. It's again, it's sort of like how, uh, you know, the pipe strip, the, the pipe keeps coming back up in the same way that Max Landis keeps popping this up in Chris's life. This is a Max Landis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's weird in that entire video, not once did they invoke Magritte. Or they, like the smoking do, gun? You do see it in the background uh, because they have that shifting um, kind of psychedelic backdrop. He could have made so much hay with that. Maybe they thought it was too obvious. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that's what I would have done because <laughs> it's so perfect. I, I you you don't. I was about to say that they may not think their audience is that sophisticated, but I don't th I don't think Las I don't think Fatal Farm made lasagna cat for anybody but themselves. No, that's like... that's a, I really feel like you hit the nail on the head there because it's like it really does have that feel of like we're just gonna make the kind of thing that we wanna see. Yeah. And that we think is funny. And for yeah. and it somehow like caught fire with other people. And it's yeah. really good in that, like, you know, you see the progression of their work. They're doing the sort of stuff they want to do. They're finding work that allows them to fund their personal, you know, passion <clears throat> projects. They're getting, you know, recognition. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, say, uh, you know, Tim and Eric contacted them. They did, did work for Key and Peel. They and did um, a couple of major laser videos, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's great that their work is definitely on the upswing in that it's allowed them to sort of build their audience, build their skill set, and attract more attention that gets them more work, that gets them more money, that means that they can do more of the project that they love. I, I think that it's it's a really, you know, positive sort of story about you know, independent filmmakers who started, you know, unemployed out of film school. You know what's going to happen, though? What's that? Is they're going to be like 75, mm -hmm. and people are going to be like... Hey, you're the guys who did Lasagna Cat. Well, <laughs> hell, we're going to see uh, Mystery Science Theater at Comic-Con. That's from the 90s. I thought I thought it was interesting. One last thing to add is there are two, I mean, in terms of views on YouTube, like all their videos by now have gotten at least a quarter million views. But the two videos that really, maybe even just the one video that really went over the million mark was um, their parody of... Uh, a Final Fantasy, like Final Fantasy three oh. or four, or one of those. It's it's like a, it's a Super Nintendo Final Fantasy, where after the strip reenactment, it's like Garfield is engaged in a in an RPG uh, 
turn-based battle. And I guess that probably got the most hits because it's Final Fantasy and it's on the internet, so that's <laughs> going to get a, a crossover audience. Maybe there's a, cross, a big crossover from Final Fantasy JRPG fans to Lasagna Cat, but I doubt it. It's, um, it's chocolate and peanut butter. They just go <laughs> together, so... As per every episode, I, I hem and haw for about 100 minutes, and then I have one brief monologue where I make a useful insight, so I've got that out of the way. I appreciate their work in that it is a kind of performance art, and it's certainly encouraging in that they are you know, creative professionals who are doing the sort of work that they're at least excited about, if not passionate about, and that's the sort of thing that keeps you going in between the work you do to you know pay the rent, basically. And I, I think that is certainly a, a hopeful, positive story for, for any aspiring filmmaker. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the lesson to draw from it is um, make things that you want to see. They're making like their own unique art statement based on the most craven cash grab of all time. I mean, like, the original strip was basically like, yeah, like, I want to make a successful comic strip. Like, there are lots of dogs. Why don't I make one with a cat? People like cats. <laughs> and, a, and I'm just going to trace one of uh, B. Kleban's cats, too. I'm not going <laughs> to even come up with an original character design. Yeah, it's a, it's a fat, stripy cat. People mm. like fat, striped cats. <laughs> I wanted to mention, Tim, that, like, one of my favorite uh, Garfield parodies is actually one of yours from your Misunderstanding Comics uh, uh, book that you did with the artist Mike Rosen, where you have an anime-inspired Garfield in kind of a Sailor Moon costume thing. <laughs> by, by the power of lasagna, I will punish Mondays. <laughs> and, then, and then the strip is, you know, like, Garfield, Chan, why don't... Why don't any girls like me? Because you're a stupid boy. Nyan, 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 nyan. <laughs> that that cracks me up every time I think about it. So Gar Garfield it really is one of those things that's just evergreen for parody. Yeah, Apparently, I mean, maybe we should. I guess after I finish deriding him, I should probably thank Jim Davis not only for giving me so much happiness in my youth, but now in my advanced old age. Watching dumb cat movies on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> it perfectly encapsulates the you know colossal waste of time that is the internet and how just uh, <laughs> how how unbelievably compelling it all is. True that. Grab your edibles and check out Lasagna Cat. Yeah, um, Matt. Thanks for coming on the the uh, podcast. Yes, yeah, my thanks, pleasure. Matt. And um, if I may uh, point any listeners in the direction, if you want some cartoon strips that maybe are marginally better than. Jim Davis's Garfield, uh, DangerBurger.com is my cartooning website. And if you like uh, writing about films, interviews with filmmakers, that's VideoFugue.com. VideoFugue and DangerBurger. I can vouch for both of them. You should check them both out. <laughs>